And this is episode four of Working Name TMI. And I'm Connie. And I'm Cyrus. And we're discussing Harry Potter theories. Boy. The most contentious we can find. No, just kidding. Okay, so uh, we, we have, we decided if they were valid, plausible, or crazy. And so we're starting with the valid ones and it will just deteriorate from there. Also, as a note, we're ignoring the Cursed Child and yes. the Fantastic Beasts and where to find the movies. Um, also, pretty much all of our evidence is just from the books. That it- yes, all of the evidence is from these seven Harry Potter books. We're ignoring Cursed Child, we're ignoring the movies because they change stuff, and we're mostly ignoring Word of God, Yeah, which is, if you don't know, well, just J.K. Rowling saying stuff after the fact, after the books, there's, like, giving facts. There's a little bit of Word of God in, okay. in here, it's but, necessary. but overall, yeah, we're not looking as much into yeah. what she said. Alright, so okay. starting out with the very valid theories. Well, here's one. Neville Longbottom is known for his magic being kind of iffy. Lackluster, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> but what if it wasn't his fault? And we we find out in it's the first book, I believe, that um, Neville is actually using his father's wand. He didn't go to Ollivander's and get his wand chosen because, you know, the wand mm. chooses the wizard. It's like the ultimate personality test. <laughs> you know, are you compatible with this stick that may or may not have a personality? We never actually are going to explain yeah. it. Um, but he never really got that chance. Instead, he got a wand that was compatible with his father, but may not have been completely compatible with him. Yeah. Now we see, for example, in the seventh book, borrowed wands can work, but true they when, work to an extent. Yeah, ultimately, you using someone else's wand is never going to work as well as um you you using your own wand. In yeah, in the seventh book, Harry has to use someone else's wand uh, for a while because his wand is broken. Uh, and it it just it feels wrong to him fundamentally just iffy. Now, where does this change? Well, we see actually in the sixth and seventh book, Neville gets a lot better at magic. In the end of the fifth book, there's the battle in the um, ministry, huh? the ministry of magic in the department of mysteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, well, Neville's wand gets broken. More specifically, his father's <laughs> wand. Yeah. Yeah. So then <laughs> his the sentence. <laughs> then his grandma has to take him. To get a new wand at Ollivander's, which means he actually finds one that's compatible with him, which would up his magical capability and might explain the whole problem with his magic. Yes. We, we can see that he's he is um, a, a pretty a pretty apt wizard, actually. He's the second one to master the shield charm after Hermione, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But if but uh, he he duels. He duels like dark wizards and he holds his own. He's 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 a very effective wizard. Uh, in in like the sixth and seventh books, uh, when we see like his full potential, and you know this could be this could be attributed to like this growing up sort of maturing, uh, becoming more comfortable with his magic sort of thing. But I think that given the uh, the concreteness of like a wand not working for you if it's not yours, I feel like that's also like a good theory. A lot of our characters in the seventh book have pretty much grown into their magical potential. Why would Neville still be growing, especially mm-hmm. with like the fifth book in Dumbledore's army? There was so much training there. You yeah. think that if he had such huge magical potential, that would have kind of come out in the fifth one. We would have mm-hmm. seen him mastering more things, doing more things in Dumbledore's army. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the so, start yeah. of our very valid theories, and that's when we're not really gonna. Neville, it's not your fault. You're amazing, <laughs> and you could have been Harry. Okay. Um. Okay. So, the second one, which is only something I've recently found, uh, is that Trelawney sort of roundaboutly predicted. Uh, Dumbledore's death and a couple other people. Okay, so in chapter 11 of The Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, 
everyone's eating Christmas dinner in the Great Hall uh, because so many people have gone off for Christmas break that like Dumbledore and the students and like the staff can all eat at like one table um, in the Great Hall. And so Dumbledore invites Professor Trelawney to sit down with them and she says, quote, if I join the table, we shall be 13. Nothing could be more unlucky. Never forget that when 13 dine together, the first to rise will be the first to to die. And so she refuses to sit down. Um, but little did she know uh, that Scabbers, or in other words, Peter Pettigrew, was in Ron's pocket at the time. And so the table already technically had 13 people, if you count him as a person when he's in his rat form. Uh, and Dumbledore was the first person to rise from the table, and therefore is the first person to die. And he is the first person to die out of the people that are sitting at the table. Um, and so that's how she, that's how she predicted Dumbledore's death. Not specifically, but just she gave us information that foreshadowed it. Um, also, in Chapter 5 of the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, 13 people dine together at Grimaldi Place, and Sirius Black is the first person to rise when he gets angry. Um, he starts to rise from his chair, uh, and then Miss Weasley tells him to sit down because he's, he's, he's getting too, you know, uh, fired up about the conversation. They're arguing over Harry's rights, I believe, because he wants to exactly. fight Voldemort with the order. Well, yeah, let, let, let him join. He wants to fight. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he's the first one to rise from that table. And then, you know, that's in Order of the Phoenix. So he dies pretty soon. Um, and then lastly, after the battle over Little Whinging, uh, 13 people, uh, which is when there are multiple Harrys and they're flying over uh, in the seventh book, uh, and Moody dies, uh, 13 people are sitting together uh, at the burrow, and Lupin is the first one to stand up, and then he, he dies later that book. So this is a recurring theme where this is actually a, a valid prediction of Trelawney's, or like a valid piece of information. When 13 people dine together, the first to rise is the first to die. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. So yeah, those are some like ones that make complete sense and they fit in with the canon. They're really valid. Yeah, we've got one plausible one that is quite possible. You could see it, but it's still not necessarily true. And that's yeah, you're taking that one. Yeah, and you still need to sort of argue for it. Okay, this is this is my favorite. I might not explain it that well, but uh, it's it it is my favorite Harry Potter theory, and it's the one that sort of came to mind when we thought to do the podcast topic on Harry Potter theories. And it's pretty much that. The entire Harry Potter series is an analogy, or is analogous, to um, the the tales of the three brothers. The tale of the three, the tale of the three brothers from Tales of the Beetle. Tales, oh, tales of Beetle the of, Bard. Tales of Beetle the Bard. Got it in one. Um, and so, uh, if you don't remember the story, there are three brothers, and they are they. There's a treacherous river that they don't want to cross uh but no they need to cross it but they don't want to cross it so they but since they're wizards they can conjure a bridge with their wands and they can cross but uh death is sort of upset about this because he he used to uh he he likes having people drown in the river because he's death and he wants more work um and so halfway through the bridge a hooded figure which is death stops them and he uh He's sort of cunning because he's death and death is never not cunning. So he pretends to congratulate them and proceeds to reward them with gifts of their own choosing. And so the three brothers, you can see the differences in their personality based on the gifts that they ask for. The eldest brother uh, is very combative and lusts for power. And so he asks for a wand more powerful than any in existence. So death gives him that. Uh, And the second brother, who's 
arrogant, chooses to further humiliate death and ask for the power to recall the deceased from the grave. So he did that for love, and death granted his wish uh, and gave him a stone. So that's the resurrection stone. So this is the Elder Wand of the Resurrection Stone. I'm taking a lot of time. And so the youngest brother uh, asks for um, something to enable him to go forth without death being able to follow. Uh, so death reluctantly hands over his own invisibility cloak. Uh, and so that's it. The three brothers go their ways. Uh, so the eldest brother seeks out a fight in the neighboring town, instantly wins, and he's like, yay, I'm wonderful and stuff, and so powerful, and he goes to sleep, and someone kills him and takes the wand. Uh, and so the the second brother uh, brings, uh, uses the resurrection stone to bring back the girl uh, that he had hoped to marry before her, her untimely death. Uh, but she was sad and cold, separated from him as by a veil. And so he... He is driven mad with hopeless longing, and so kills himself to as truly so as to truly join her. Um, but death searched for the youngest brother as years passed, but never succeeded because he already gotten the other two because they dead. But it was only when the third brother reached a great age, he took off the cloak of invisibility and gave it to his son. Greeting death as an old friend, they departed this life as equals. They dead. They dead. They dead, son. What? <laughs> um, they so dead. And so the theory, that's the tale, but the theory is that the Harry Potter series has characters that are directly analogous to these, well, not directly, but are analogous to these three brothers and death. Uh, Snape is the, the second brother, the one who asks for the stone. Voldemort is the oldest brother who lusts for power and wants a powerful wand. And Harry is the one who asked for the invisibility cloak, the third brother, uh, and Dumbledore is death. Cheering. Uh, so, evidence. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, let's start with Voldemort. Voldemort lusts for power, and he he is, uh, I mean, he does own the Elder Wand in the series, but... Yeah, he, he does get his hands on that. Yeah, he doesn't actually own it, but he does get his hands on it. Um, but, yeah, so... He, he is the eldest brother because he, he views power, he wants power, and that's ultimately his main goal is to be able to defeat anyone uh, and just have complete control. Uh, and that's that's pretty analogous to the third brother. The second brother uh, is, is Snape because, uh, well, the second brother brought back the girl he had once hoped to marry, uh, which would have been Lily. Uh, he didn't actually... Snape didn't ever actually, actually possess bring... the resurrection stone, no. But, but uh, he did do so many actions in her name. Like, the whole... Most of protecting Harry in the beginning, he said, was, like, for Lily. Yes. He did so much just not to resurrect her, but to still keep her memory alive, mm -hmm. almost. Every, uh, yeah, almost everything Snape does in the book series, where the books start and the books end, is for Lily Evans. Um, and he ultimately dies, and... Yeah, and his memories are about... The memories that he gives Harry when he dies are about how he promised Dumbledore that he would protect Harry and do the, all this stuff for Lily and how much he loves Lily. Um, and then here's here's the most, I don't know, clenching, valid part of the theory where um, Harry has the invisibility cloak, right? Because death gave him his own invisibility cloak, uh, which turned out to be the Deathly Hollow. Um, and Dumbledore gave but, him the invisibility cloak. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And so D Dumbledore gave him... The invisibility cloak and so death gave the third brother his own invisibility visibility cloak and so harry's the third brother because and here's here's my favorite part and the third brother 
greeted death as an old friend. Just like Harry did in the seventh book when he went and he intended to die uh, at Voldemort's hands to protect his friends. That, that That's what he did. He walked into the woods and he pretty much said, you know, after using the resurrection stone, and he's like, pretty much said goodbye to everyone. And then he went to Voldemort and said, come at me, bro, uh, and died. <laughs> it was a very touching moment. Um, and uh, so he, and then when he was dead, quote unquote, he m- was with Dumbledore at King's Cross Station. And so he greeted death as an old friend, and he was able to see Dumbledore once more. Um, and so that's that's more valid, uh, that provides more evidence for Harry being the third brother and Dumbledore being death. Because Harry had the invisibility cloak, and he greeted death as an old friend, and Dumbledore gave him the invisibility cloak, and Dumbledore was there when Harry was was dead. And so that's pretty much the theory. And uh, There's definitely something there that I, I didn't, now I didn't actually research this theory, this is his, mm-hmm. but... Um, in the way that Dumbledore almost seeks them all out. Like, in the case of Voldemort, Dumbledore lets someone else kill him. That is, that's very much the other, the tale where death doesn't come for the first brother, someone else kills him in his sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, Snape. Death is almost beside the second brother in that that brother has a lost loved one that he lost, that memory is there. So death is almost beside him in that he's aware of death constantly. Oh, yeah. And he... He leaves this life to be with the one he loves. It's very much... Um, Dumbledore, uh, Snape, leaves everyone in the end because he's killed by Voldemort, but really he separates himself from the others very early on when Dumbledore offers to make him a spy. Oh, totally. When death gives the brother an escape for the one he loves, Dumbledore offers Snape the way out, the way to separate himself from the rest of the world because he becomes the spy, because he becomes such a huge linchpin in the entire series yeah and and snape didn't even like life anymore if you think about it like he was a death eater but he didn't like that because he wanted uh because you know after lily died and he and in the in his memories uh he's talking to dumbledore and he's like has it ever occurred to your brilliant mind that i don't want to do this anymore uh which harry knows is talking about the uh the spying and all the the protecting Harry and all that sort of stuff he has to deal with. So he's not really a fan of any choices he has to make. And so, like, him being with, I don't know, him him being in death with Lily is sort of the best respite for him. Um, and also, Dumbledore owned all three all three of the Deathly Hollows. He was a master of all of them, just like yeah, death was that's fair. Uh, at one point. Yeah. Keep in mind, that's not that's not my theory. I didn't create the theory. I just really like it. It, yeah, we're bringing up our favorites. Yeah, these these, so these be... yeah, we didn't come up with any of these ourselves. We researched, which is new for us in this podcast. <laughs> Very new. Actually, doing our homework. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that. That's the that's that's the, kind of the, the tame theme, yeah. section of our little episode where we talk about yeah. our little what we like. Uh, from here, we get to do a little debating. <laughs> yeah, on... if, you, if you feel totally comfortable with everything we've said so far, then uh. Good for you, and you're probably in the majority, and you'll probably be in the majority when you don't feel comfortable with what we say further on. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm up first in the crazy category, and <laughs> indeed the, you are. The, Please the, tell me. The theory I'm defending is that McGonagall was a Death Eater the entire time. Like, oh God. Not the entire series. How could she not be right? It's so clear <laughs> in the way she teaches Gryffindors. Okay. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna break it down based on book because the, the thing the thing I found bro- really oh, overanalyzed everything. But you know what? 
just to prove that she is. So in the beginning, say so we go back to the very beginning of the first book. Let's. Just after we meet Vernon Dursley and he has the whole, we we find out what he works for and and all that. Grunnings, smeltings. Yeah. 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 Wait. Grunnings is the drill company. Smeltings is the school. Okay, we're good. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So, it turns out, so McGonagall is a cat. You know, (laughs) she she turns into a cat and she's she's been watching them the entire day because she knew Dumbledore was going to be there sometime. And something that's funny is that when Dumbledore appears at the end of the street, like, he apparates to the end of the street, mm-hmm. what does the cat do? Well, the cat's tail twitches and its eyes narrow. It acts almost like, like, have you ever watched a cat? It's kind of like it was hunting a mouse. Oh, and yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this, this, the theory pointed out was rather suspicious because, like, of all the things you, it doesn't perk up. It doesn't go like, oh, hey, see Dumbledore. It's like, what is that? Right. Almost. See, uh, I I think I, I'm not sure if the person who made this theory owns a cat. Yeah, they they do. They were like, my cat only does this during. The- <laughs> okay. Well, they own a different cat than I do, because my cat will do that at the sign of anything happening ever. He will he will like he will get all. Oh God! I need to protect myself and my food from whatever is going on. If someone walks through a doorway, like he he's he's. But anyway, I'm sure this person has further good points to make. Oh yeah. Okay. So are cats Death Eaters? <laughs> I feel I, I feel like there's a real theory no. here. <laughs> no, uh, they don't. They don't make any I points about that. cats being Death Eaters. But anyway, so this there's something funny is um, McGonagall actually has like no real reason that we know of to be there. Like Dumbledore says, I should have known <laughs> that when he sees her, but yeah. she didn't know when she'd be there. She doesn't actually give a reason. In fact. Because the book says, uh, Dumbledore, he says, Hagrid's late. I suppose it was he who told you I'd be here, by the way. He just says, yes. So she doesn't, like, actually give her own alibi. Dumbledore provides it for her. How suspicious. Which, which it's like, um, why would she be there? If she was going to find out if Lily and James were dead, which seems like the main reason. She seems all torn up about, she's like, there's so many rumors flying around. Is it why true, Dumbledore, Albus, or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't she just like one go to the house? Yeah. Because like she knows where Gordrick's Hollow is. She she knows where they live. Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff. Um. Two. Ask someone who lived nearby. There was a large wizarding population in Gordrick's Hollow. There's. Godric's. Godric's Hollow. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. I'm. I don't pronounce things well. I'm not British. All right. <laughs> um. That's fine. Okay. Yep. Like there are so many other sources you could could have gone to instead of staking out. The Dursley house for an entire day on hoping because Hagrid told her that Dumbledore would be there sometime. Okay, so that they think that that's suspicious that that's, she was at the Dur- yeah, Dursley house instead like of going elsewhere. You know, I personally, I'd think like she was there to be there in case like Lily and James were dead. She'd be checking out the people that Harry would be staying with because like Albus is like, I'll be leaving but, with this people. But and how did she know like, they'd be staying? Dumbledore didn't tell her anything. She didn't know. Mm, okay, so that as far that, as wow, that that pokes a hole right in my in my <laughs> argument. Um, she didn't know. She literally asked them what he's doing. She, he's yeah. like, "Well, we're we're gonna give the, them," and he's, she's like, "Them? Well, you're giving them to them. <laughs> I've been watching them all day. They're like they suck." <laughs> <laughs> basically, is what she said. Yeah. Mm. It, okay. So her alibi for being there is a bit flimsy. Yeah, it, it, uh, like who would who would 
you trust Dumbledore over anyone else in the wizarding community. Like, it, it, okay, if she sees, like, so many rumors have been flying around, then I would assume that she doesn't trust any sources but Dumbledore. Like, it's amazing, or it's it's very evident throughout the series how just, like, trustworthy and, like, uh, wise and, you know, for that matter, enigmatic uh, Dumbledore is. And so, like, if, if something like that would happen, like, oh, by the way, Voldemort's fallen and Lily and James Potter are dead and his sons, their son survived, I'd be like, okay, I need to hold, hold up, I need to ask Dumbledore, let me just... I don't know, dial on my phone or whatever. So if I had to wait for, like, an entire day just to talk to, like, someone who has, like, a reputable source, I would do that. I think they're I'm next- not a death eater. I, I, I think, though, that their next-door neighbors are a reputable source. I mean, we see in the seventh one, they visit- is it Godric's Hollow, you said? Godric, yeah. Godric's Hollow, okay. Godric Gryffindor. I'm gonna mess this up the entire time. That's fine. All right, mm. they they visit Godric's Hollow, and the the house is in pretty bad shape. Yeah, like, it so was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I you'd wouldn't think like the neighbors would be a reputable source as well. Of course, you know, for the, Lily and James Potter dying, they wouldn't be a reputable source for Voldemort being Voldemort falling or Harry surviving. Okay, they'd be nice. like, oh, the house got destroyed. Yeah, I was right there. I saw the house get destroyed. It's like, can you tell me anything else? Oh yeah, the most powerful dark wizard of all time has also fallen. Oh, okay. I need to ask Dumbledore about that real quick. Uh, so, and another thing she does in the first book, another couple things she does that are kind of suspicious. Okay. Um, for one of them, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my my favorite point for the first book for last. So I'm gonna skip okay. straight to on Halloween. Okay, the mm-hmm. troll comes in, and you know, there's the whole incident in the girls' bathroom with Hermione. So, yeah. the three people that rush in as soon as like the troll is taken down when they hear things going on, are Quirrell, Snape, and McGonagall. Now, all the teachers went to the dungeons to go deal with the troll. We know why Quirrell and Snape didn't go. Quirrell went up to go try and get the Sorcerer's Stone. Snape went to go stop him. Mm-hmm. Why was McGonagall there? Wouldn't she have gone with the others to go search the dungeons for the troll? Because that's that's what all the professors were going to do. Instead, she's hanging around with Quirrell and Snape, or at least in the area, because they arrive at about the same time. And I'm assuming she would have had a, had to run about the same distance as them then. So, why wasn't she in the basement with the others? This does poke hmm. a few holes in her, kind of. Okay, so I'll need to refresh my memory on a few things before I talk about this. So, each head of house was asked to escort their students, correct? Yeah. And so, the Slytherin comrades are in the dungeon. Yep. Where the, where the, where the troll is, uh... Well, to, no, I, it might have been not, prefix not, as well that were prefix. That were, oh, yeah, right. Uh, who were doing? Who were bringing them in? Sure, Percy would have loved that. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Maybe it was, and like the teachers were because the teachers were most of the teachers were asked to go down to the dungeons, um, and yeah, I'm just looking for it so I can reference when yeah yeah we're actually referencing while the, doing a podcast the book. it's next level yeah next we're, we're level material re- we're getting here doing our research hold on do, 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 do. you know what? i know it says troll in the dungeon so troll troll in the dungeon just just thought you ought to know i have to say some really great scenes in harry potter just people rushing into the great hall while people are like talking or eating like argus doing the whole like what what, what book was that where like argus filch is just like Rushing down the Great Hall, talks to Dumbledore, then rushes back out. I forget what book that was. Maybe it was like Goblet of Fire when people are arriving. No, nah, it can't have been. Yeah, it says prefix lead your houses back to the dormitories immediately. So it's not the heads of houses that are bringing them. To right. The... Okay. It's it's the the teachers are supposed to go down to deal with the troll. Yeah, and so, so they did. 
But they they would have. But where was how was it that McGonagall end of story was like up there? What? Okay, how was so if all the teachers ran down to the basement to deal with the trolls? I keep swapping out basement and dungeons. I know. Okay. To me, they're basically the same thing. Yeah. In this, I I, I get it. Yeah. But the so they would have been all the way down there, and then they would have heard the troll fall, you know, crash, thunk, all that. Yeah. Uh, but we, the ones that are the closest are the two that are deal that assuming if we're going with Quirrell and Snape are up fighting over Fluffy in the third floor corridor. Yeah, so they're closer. They would have taken them a shorter time. In theory, they're closer to the girls' bathroom. On what? we're looking, they're near. They're oh near, right, the troll is not in the dungeon. No, anymore. it's not. The I've troll sort of forgotten was that part. in. That's, that's pretty integral. No, that to this is theory. really <laughs> integral to this point because the troll was not in the dungeon. Yeah, the troll it was in the was in. On the same level as the um, Great Hall in the girls' bathroom. Like, yeah. near, relatively near to the Gryffindor common room because mm-hmm. Hermione had to run there and right. in tears. So, Hermione was in the girls' bathroom. That's where the troll happened to go. And so, the three that come are Quirrell, Snape, and McGonagall. Quirrell and Snape have a, do- a decent alibi. We know they were dogging on each other's tails up by Fluffy. What the heck was McGonagall doing? Um, that's, that's, was, was she actually doing something to interfere as well? Okay, was... official counter-argument, mind the staircases they like to move. <laughs> she got lost, done, end of story. <laughs> right, alright, sure. Alright, and then my favorite, uh, point for this one, just personally, because I love what the, the person who did the research for this <laughs> came yep. up with, um... And now the quote that they gave from a famous sociology professor whose name I didn't even know. My they God, didn't, they're bringing sociology was, into this. Sports are the opiate of the people. Of the and, ma- sports are the opiate of the masses. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. And so the idea was that McGonagall loves Quidditch. Now, what does Quidditch do? It divides the houses and causes them to pit each other against each other. Like this is this point is like I said, it's my favorite one. Yeah. So therefore, <laughs> you can't see the look I'm giving her right now, but it's a look. <laughs> It's a look. What in the... Okay. You know what? <laughs> yeah, th- this one... Anything more to add, or is that just it? McGonagall well, no, likes that... Quidditch. Okay, that one, that's the bogus section. This one is actually a, a valid point. So Harry, relatively, like, looking at him, isn't an incredibly strong kid. He's not super active or super fit. No. So He's then... He's actually rather skinny. Yeah, then McGonagall decides to stick him in Quidditch in one of the more dangerous positions. Cause because as... he's skinny. He's a great seeker. He's also not like like if he gets hit by a bludger. I'm just saying he gets kind of lucky. Well, then maybe I don't know if he gets hit by a bludger, we'll just have to remove the bones and wherever he <laughs> wherever he got hit by and regrow them with Skelligrow. Right. I'm like that. Second it, 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 it always works. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's Dude, no no fail. She she went and straight up put him in a very dangerous situation. Yeah. Her, How? So that it would give her house. She... To get her to get her team ahead, I... yeah, no, yeah, that's that's actually the reason. Yes, because yeah, it... I'm sorry. Is anyone putting is Snape putting Draco as uh, on 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 the Quidditch team See, at later least in the he, books? At least he waited though, like till Draco had his first year. At least he waited until Draco understood how the school worked. Right, but all the other all the other um people on the Gryffindor Quidditch team were so. Like, disappointed in their performance. They hadn't won anything in so many years. Like, and she just sees this first year make an amazing catch of a remember-all. Remember and she's like, OMG, 
this guy, I need to get this guy on the Quidditch team. He's a great seeker already, and he's in his first year. Like, I am just desperate for a win here. And so is everyone else on the team. Like, Oliver Wood, it's not like Oliver Wood was like, oh, uh, never mind, he's uh, he's too young for us. We can't we can't bend the rules like that. Like, is Oliver Wood a Death Eater too just because he wanted Harry on the team? No, no, Oliver was desperate. See, Oliver is like a student who's head of the team. Yes. Whereas McGonagall should be able to look past it. Do you remember when, do you remember, no, but, but Professor McGonagall gets teased by the other, by the other heads of houses. Because they, because she because they hadn't won stuff like it was she was she was like I'm getting tired of like Snape's remarks or something I she says something similar to that where she's like mm-hmm. I'm getting tired of this other head of house's remarks about how we haven't won anything like it affects her too yeah okay so anyway that's, <laughs> that's pretty much out of Harry Potter one the evidence that's given <laughs> to sum it up now Harry Potter two there's really two main points um, that the entire that it brings up the entire book. One of them, this one is, uh, as we pointed out, we're not relying too much on Word of God stuff, so this one's mm-hmm. not very big, even though with the Word of God it becomes kind of odd, uh-huh. but because we're not really banking on that. We assume that J.K. Rowling does not necessarily know what she's talking about when she talks about the books in retrospect, or gives further facts in retrospect. Yeah, so this one is, Professor McGonagall was the same age of Voldemort and actually would have been in the same year, according to the Pottermore uh, biography that's given that was mm-hmm. given i don't know if it's still up but it was the her her full birth date was up there for a while she was in ravenclaw was her house if i remember correctly um but what's her name myrtle the girl that was killed was also in ravenclaw and i looked that up wait interesting she was in ravenclaw i believe so i'm pretty sure she was in ravenclaw i can look it up again but... interesting i didn't know heads of houses could be well, heads of different houses um, um, than they were in. Every other head of house, Snape was in Slytherin, Professor can, Slughorn was check. in Slytherin. I can check. We got um, intre- Professor Sprout, I think, is the head of Hufflepuff. Yeah, she is. And, and yeah. Uh, I didn't know that was possible. Oh, no. Oh, no, she was in Gryffindor. Okay, it was it was okay. between the two. Yeah. So even But even still, so she wasn't in the same house as the girl, who was killed, but she would have known her. I mean, we and, see in the yeah. books that the two cla- that all the different houses have yeah. classes together. She she would have done well in Ravenclaw though. She was able to very quickly answer get into the Ravenclaw um, common room yeah. in the seventh book. So I mean, she would have known who Moaning Myrtle was, and she would have been aware of Moaning Myrtle. They keep track of all the ghosts in the castle. We see this as Dumbledore references references some. They're just they don't just let ghosts in and out. So she yeah. would have known who Moaning Myrtle was. So in the second book. Why didn't she bring it up? Why didn't she like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we don't know who the heir of Slytherin was, and we don't have any evidence. Like, she never, okay, she doesn't say that. She never says really anything, though. This would have been her year. She would have known, like, she would have been in the middle of this when it originally happened. (laughs) And it's kind of like nothing there. But again, like I said, even though this theory kind of seems a bit suspicious, we're not putting too this point we're not putting too much weight on it because it relies on a word of god thing yeah you know if, yeah i like yeah if if jk rowling's like making the pottermore website like biographies and she just doesn't happen to like sit down and calculate what age that she would have to be and what year she would be um all of that like we're not gonna i don't know we're not gonna put too much credence on uh that birthday because we assume she didn't put that much work into it um but why didn't she mention it uh did any other teachers mention it? You said that the, you know, ghosts of Hogwarts have to be pretty heavily sanctioned. They have to get, like, that, yeah, the classic Hogwarts know. stamp on their hand in order to be allowed into the <laughs> castle. Um, 
Wears off after a day, though, so you have to get it passed. They wouldn't necessarily have known she was killed in that... Like, they might have known she was killed around this era. She was the ghost that haunted such and such a person, because Myrtle said she went and she haunted one of the kids who teased her, but then she came back. Yeah, was it Olivia Hornby or something? I think it was Olivia Hornby. Teasing her about my glasses. Yeah, Yeah, so she might have just been coming as a past Hogwarts student. Like, they didn't necessarily have to know all of that information, but, like, McGonagall... or, or yeah, she she would have, and you'd think like, well, she could have forgotten, but that is a pretty traumatic experience, you know. Yeah. Something something starts terrorizing the castle, and then a kid's killed, and said kid turns into a ghost that no, you don't see every day, but it lives in the same place you live and work. Yes, it's yeah, it's it's yeah. If 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 we were putting weight on like the word of God and that being her birthday and that being her year and stuff, that'd be a bit weird, but. Again, you know. Yeah, for- this this point we're kind of saying isn't as important simply because of the, all, the, all of it added post-book. Yeah. And, wait, okay, so what's this story Moaning Myrtle gives? She's crying in the bathroom because Olivia is teasing her, teased her better glasses. Then and she, she hears, hears a voice, and she thinks it's a boy. He's talking in a hears, strange yeah. language. She, yeah, she hears and So she's going to unlock the door and open it and up. And scream to at him to go, go away. Yeah. Find his own stall, yeah. So yeah. So she opens it up, and then all she sees are eyes. Yep, and then... And oof, the yeah. feeling. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I don't know. At the how, same time... How much use is that That would have requited Hagrid of, of the murder, at the anyone. very least. True. Like, she could describe the eyes. Big yellow eyes. Take a look at Hagrid. Does he have big yellow eyes? Well, they, they were... Uh, um, the thing about Hagrid is they thought that uh, Aragog was, was the monster. You can still, but, you know, that still disproves d- it. Is it a pair of eyes, or you know, did you, did you miss six of them? And, <laughs> yeah, and, so. and Aragog's eyes, if I remember correctly, aren't like glowing. Yellow. No, so no, they, still, are, they are not. It's still like it would have requited Hagrid of a lot of the blame, and also helped not get Dumbledore removed, which has to do with my next point that comes from this book. Okay, so yeah. Is, anyway, if if we were relying on the word of God. Then you know I, w- this would be mildly suspicious. That, that point pretty much just says like, J.K. Rowling messed up when she's making the birthday. She messed up a bit. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So um, moving on. So another thing is in the book, I mean, Voldemort um, scolds Lucius for all sorts of things for not being mm-hmm. you know loyal and stuff. He never says anything about him destroying the Horcrux. Like doesn't scold him for that. That's why. Well, what did that accomplish? Well, actually, wait. We're gonna go in power. Wait, who doesn't? Voldemort, doesn't, um, Voldemort scold doesn't scold Lucius for getting rid of the Horcrux because he the diary was um, given to Jenny Weasley by Lucius Malfoy. Yes, and he there was something about this. He just uh, well, one Voldemort didn't notice that it was destroyed because he wasn't, you know, he didn't. He was he's like if you're making like well technically like eight Horcruxes, if one's destroyed, then you're not gonna be quite human enough to feel it. Um, and uh, that's. That was that was part of it, but also, um, he he did scold Lucius about about, about like about uh, being so casual about, uh, or maybe he didn't scold Lucius, but Dumbledore knew that uh, Voldemort would have been angry with Lucius in later books, and he mentioned that because Lucius didn't know that it was a Horcrux, uh, but uh, and so that that's why he was casual about it, but it's. Uh, Shut down before the sentence even ends. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry yeah. we can move on to 
Um, but yeah, anyway, he, he Lucius didn't know he was a Horcrux. Voldemort wouldn't have felt that if the Horcrux, Horcrux was destroyed. And later books, Dumbledore, or at least at least the six books, that's when Horcruxes are brought up. Dumbledore has been like, oh, Tom Riddle's diary. And then, like, Voldemort was, was, like, angry with Lucius for being so cavalier about it, but he couldn't yeah. have known he was a Horcrux. Oh, and I'm going to pretty much skip over, like, Harry Potter 3 because it has nothing. Okay. Really. Like, even the author of the theory notes, this has, there's nothing here. Yeah. Um, but not all, a, not all of the books are winners. It's funny <laughs> how, like, in Harry Potter four, we get the Goblet of Fire scene, the infamous movie scene of "Did you put your name in the Goblet Did of you Fire?" Put your name in the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> in the book, where they're just like, yes, chill. <laughs> yeah, oh, so it's always gonna be funny. In in the book, okay, one of the few people that doesn't um, object to Harry participating is McGonagall. Like, she just asked Dumbledore what's going on. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't disagree with him going yeah and i mean you could say she was going by tournament rules but like she's supposed to be kind of motherly sometimes yeah but she's not going by tournament rules she didn't say harry must participate she didn't say harry must not participate she goes to dumbledore for direction as she did in the first book when she was wondering whether everything people were saying was true she this is just another example of how much she really does trust dumbledore and And his judgment another note is when moody slash crouch like bray crouch jr when he looks at moody is talking about the people he used to, when he was talking about most people, he says they're decent people who are easy to manipulate. However, he actually makes a special note of McGonagall. He says he staged a loud conversation with Professor McGonagall. He doesn't actually call her out on being a person easy to manipulate. He gives her almost special notice in his sentences. That, hmm. that was interesting that, uh, of all people, like our, our psycho Death Eater friend here who decides to give McGonagall of all people, special notice. Not Snape, which, though he does decide to snap at Snape when he's caught. I, I, okay, so what was the purpose of the loud conversation with Professor McGonagall? That was to get because the, that to, was in front of Do- that was in front of Dobby, so that he Dobby would learn about the gillyweed. Because again, books here, right? That, so that Dobby would know to nick Harry some gillyweed, so that he could breathe underwater. And uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't think. Like, in my experience, it doesn't take two people to stage a loud conversation. Uh, it, it, it's not like, um, it's not like he could have picked anyone he wanted to, to have a conversation with, to alert Dobby. Like, it, he, like, almost 100% J.K. Rowling reached into her box of, like, her hat of names, character names, and pulled one out. It's like, Professor McGonagall, why not? Uh, and so, it's, it doesn't take two people to, to give a, a, a house self indirect information. It, it, it's there's no teamwork involved be like hey professor mcgonagall did you hear this thing called gillyweed yeah yeah i know about gillyweed i'm a professor yeah it, it allows you to breathe underwater we really help her from one of these what are you what are you trying to do here moody no i'm just wondering do you know, do you know about gillyweed that thing that would be helpful for harry i'm gonna go to the great hall now like it's just not it's not it doesn't put too much effort into it. like the other person does not need to be in on it the last point i didn't actually fact ch- fact check this one mm-hmm. But I, based on everything else, like that I fact checked in the, the source, I'm pretty trusting of this person. Okay. At least of their of the fat stuff they looked up. Uh, so they made a note that she was actually in charge of bar- guarding Brady Crouch Jr. Gosh darn it! Mm-hmm. And the dement- and he wasn't supposed to be dement- get a Dementor's kiss because they were gonna interrogate him. Yeah. What happened to him? Well, <laughs> he turned into a vegetable after uh, smooching with a Dementor. So. Hmm. It, it, that's kind of suspicious in that, like, the kids can produce Patronuses, but could McGonagall not? Was, like, the scent of Barty Crouch's, I don't know, despair? He didn't really have despair, though. He wasn't, like, 
Maybe maybe his glee was like too attractive to them. Um, but that doesn't make sense. Why would she have let? Yeah, uh, Patronuses are very difficult charms. We're learning this because everyone's so impressed with Harry after you can get in the third book. Was it the third book? It was, it was the third, the third book. book. Yeah. yeah. Um. But in like the fifth one, we see a lot of kids mastering it. So it's a matter yeah. of if you work hard at it. But that and... was also in with like a boggart instead of an actual dementor. But um, even and, McGonagall would be like so, competent enough. And so we assume that to guard Barty Crouch Jr., there are going to be a hell of a lot of dementors there. Um, not not especially like a crowd, but, like not not like third third book style dementors, but like there are going to be a fair few dementors used to guard him. Um, and one, he was feeling, you know, his emotions were probably very attractive to him. Is is the second point, and three. Uh, Again, it's a difficult curse. They were practicing it against a boggart in Dumbledore's army that's all but they had to work with. But McGonagall's pretty old and pretty good at magic. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I'm, I'm not saying she I'm, isn't, but I'm, I'm saying, saying she... combined with the other variables of the Dementors really wanting this particular subject and uh, and him having emotions that are especially attractive to them. Um, even, even, like, Harry couldn't have done it, uh, The what he did in the third book, if he hadn't known that he would have done it already, and that's what he said. Uh, so if I was fighting, like, I don't know. I'm not a per- good person to actually insert in here because I'm nothing like Professor McGonagall. But um, <laughs> if, uh, I don't know. It, 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 people make mistakes, I guess I would say, which is a very suspicious <laughs> way of, of uh, defying yeah. that claim. Well, but, uh, but people do make mistakes, and, you know, you can't, you, you, can't, you can't produce difficult charms all the time, especially when you're surrounded by Dementors. Yeah. Um, based on the timestamp we're at right now, I think we should just skip to your theory you're defending just because of where oh, we are there right. i mean we, can, we could make this a longer episode like i don't I'm... i i think we should probably stick to our standard i mean yeah we're gonna go over but okay wait so give, give i'm not gonna argue with them just give like a brief overview of like the points yeah, we're gonna hit the rest of the over, the rest of the points consisted of in harry potter 5 mcgonald doesn't actually show up at grown place like ever she's mm-hmm. never seen there but she's supposedly part of the Order of the Phoenix. And also, she does very little in the fight against Umbridge, though I know one of my favorite scenes in the book is her telling Peavis to unscrew the light that the to unscrew it, the light yeah, bulb. It unscrews the other, the other way. Yeah. The other way, Peavis. She whispers. <laughs> but other than that, she doesn't really do much. And she gets removed right before Voldemort's plan kicks off. Like, literally, mm. McGonagall gets out, and then right like almost right after Harry gets the little dream sequence of Sirius being yeah. caught. Like Either that's really convenient or there's something there. Um, Harry Potter 6, the reason Draco has an alibi about not being the one to give the magic necklace to uh, the girl on the Gryffindor team, whose name I've already forgotten. Uh, Uh, Hannah Abbott? No, no, no. No, no. No, it would have been uh, Katie Bell. Katie Bell, yeah, her. Um, He was in McGonagall's detention. Mm -hmm. Um, She's also the only, pretty much one of the only ones out of all the teachers that doesn't see something suspicious in what he's doing. Like, even Snape admits that there's something suspicious, and he's like, I'll talk to Draco, don't worry, guys. But he, but McGonagall doesn't say anything. She's like, mm-hmm. um, and then as soon as Dumbledore dies, she moves right into the headmaster's office. She's like, I'm there. <laughs> Already done. Yeah. Alright. And then, another note is that, and I checked this one, the quote is, she wanted to close Hogwarts. She said, I'm not convinced the school should reopen next year after Dumbledore's death. Like, she was going to straight up shut down Hogwarts because they lost a headmaster. Hmm. And that... Uh, well, not because they lost a headmaster, but because they lost a headmaster because Voldemort was coming back and dark wizards were 
making a giant thing. And he, she's been there before. She knows what that's like. Uh, but in order, I feel like she didn't want to make her more of a character than necessary. She wanted the kids to fight her own battles. If she was there when Voldemort's plan kicked off, that would have been much of a story. Uh, Drinker's mag- magic necklace alibi. Uh, he he wasn't there. Dr- wasn't he? He w- actually was in the detention. He uh, so you know that's that's fair alibi. He is in detention with McGonagall. Um, and, uh, moves into headmaster's office as soon as Dumbledore dies. Yeah, like why not? Uh, and I got rid of this one, so it's not no And well, uh, I'm not going to close Hogwarts. So I'm not convinced the school should reopen next year. Yeah, no, yeah, neither would I be. Uh, if if I was headmaster, I'd be like, yeah, uh, maybe we should take a break here. Uh, kids can go on the summer vacations in bunkers. Okay. <laughs> All right, yours is up then. Okay, this is I. Uh, okay, so this is perfect to sort of squish because this is very easy to. Uh, sort of summarize, uh, let's say. Ron is Dumbledore. Did you know this? I didn't know this. Ron is time-traveling Dumbledore. I, I don't believe it. Okay. D- no, I'll explain to you exactly why. You see, okay, so there's a chess match in Chamber of Secrets, right? Right? Where they they have to get past... I forget whose test it was. Who's, is oh, the that was McGon- Oh my McGonagall's. gosh, I totally forgot one of my favorite points about McGonagall that has to do with that. Oh, well, you know what? You know Don't what? worry about it. You guys can look up the theory on your own. It's it's Oh epic. yeah, it's great reading. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so is this one. So Ron is Dumbledore. So the chess match, he is both the knight who is the metaphorical player uh, fighting in the war and the king because he has to protect the king. So wouldn't it have been better to um wouldn't it have been better to make either Harry or Hermione or himself the king uh, because then they'd only have to protect three pieces instead of four but he couldn't because you see the chess game is a metaphor for the entire series um it's because uh, what was it her <laughs> uh it wouldn't have it would have been more prudent to, to, to defend three pieces instead of four but prudence was not jkr's intent her intent was to construct a metaphor um and so uh, this, this part, I, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can argue for this one because it's just terrible. To you you got this. Uh, okay, so let's do let's do this. Uh, this entire chess game is a metaphor, but shouldn't uh, the king should probably be Harry since without Harry the game is lost. But this can't be the case because Dumbledore has a backup Harry. Anyone remember Neville Longbottom? Yeah. That he's just the, he could he could replace Harry. Born on the same day, like yeah, time in the in the same month in the same year, and so Voldemort had to choose between them when he was actually um. Neville was the other I mean, choice for Voldemort when he was no fulfilling one, the prophecy. And the prophecy doesn't say that they that Voldemort would mark him as a baby. So yeah, exactly. Couldn't. So uh, yeah, uh, Neville is backup Harry, uh, and so <laughs> Harry can't be the king because you know there's another king, and so Neville is just the other bishop because Harry's a bishop, um. <laughs> uh, and so she assigns roles with a specific purpose so basically Ron's Dumbledore because he's both the knight who is uh, who is, and he's commanding everyone to go every which way but he also has to protect the king uh, and so remember the song Weasley is our king uh, yeah the king in the chess game is the one giving the orders and uh, moving everyone around and so that's really Dumbledore of the series right because he's the one who's knows everything and is telling everyone to go everywhere uh, but but Ron's also Ron, Ron, Weasley is our king, and that's it, Weasley is our king is a Slytherin the Slytherin yes. song that just exactly, and that, that's so... a, that's 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 a crucial piece of evidence here. The the Slytherins were able to able, just made this entire metaphor. Uh, also, the line "born in the bin" bin is a prefix that means two, like binary. 
Ron, Dumbledore, two characters in one. Oh, how, how could you not? Uh, so, oh, important part, important thing to note. This theory was made after the fifth book. Not before the sixth book and seventh book. This, this theory was made after the fifth book. So the people who made this theory were adamant that this was this entire theory, Ron is Dumbledore, was going to uh, reveal itself in the last books. They were certain that this chess game was a metaphor for the entire series. Uh, but funnily enough, that didn't pan out. Uh, so, uh, and so uh, I'm going to ignore the whole chess metaphor for now, necessarily. Do they, do they have another one besides chess? Um, yes, they do. Dumbledore is smart. They, they, they have, they have, Dumbledore is, is so wise and he knows everything, uh, that's going on. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's just, I'm going to give like a few examples because they give a lot of examples of how Dumbledore is smart because there are a lot of examples that Dumbledore is smart. Um, so when Harry or Vaughn are hiding under the invisibility cloak, when Fudge comes for Hagrid and Lucius comes for Dumbledore, uh, Dumbledore knows exactly where they are under the invisibility, invisibility cloak and gives Harry a message. This means that D- Dumbledore remembered exactly where his younger self was, like, 120 years ago. Uh, no, more than that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ron is not 30 years old at this point. <laughs> but, like, 100, 100, what, 35 years ago, he remembers mm-hmm. exactly where he was standing enough to give himself a message. Uh... He also readily accepts the innocence of Sirius Black. He's a convicted felon. Why would he trust him? Um, and also, in the same book, which is Prisoner of Azkaban, Dumbledore seems very adamant about Peter getting away being a good thing. In the in the book, he gives him the, uh, the reasons that like he it it could manifest its, itself in ways that like uh it could it could ultimately end up being a good thing. And like uh, Peter owes Harry a life debt because Harry saved his life. And so, therefore, uh, he believes that that'll be a good thing later on. But these people are adamant that uh, this is because Dumbledore knows that ultimately Peter getting away and raising Dumbledore will uh, raising, raising Voldemort, Voldemort will will be a good thing. I'm not sure why they. Think I think that. He, I think they assume that Voldemort rising is inevitable, and that like yeah, having like, somebody who's indebted to Harry is better than having someone who has no connection. Because doesn't Peter's Peter saves their life at one point when they're captured in the basement of the Malfoys. Right. And it's because he owes Harry the life debt that he ends up. Mm-hmm. That, that, that ends up happening. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess that's what they're saying. But yeah. at the same time... Yeah. Uh, so, uh, moving on. In Goblet of Fire, uh, when Dumbledore discovers Moody that is an imposter at the end of the book... Uh, he shows up with Snape and McGonagall in Moody's office. He tells McGonagall to go fetch Padfoot. He tells Snape to go fetch Winky and some Veritaserum. Wait, why would he fetch Winky if Moody hasn't transformed into Barty Crouch Jr. yet? How would he know that Winky would be useful in this situation unless he knew that it was Barty Crouch Jr.? Uh, and so... But if he knew it was Barty Crouch Jr., why wouldn't he have acted earlier? Yeah, it's... Mm, it's... it's it's messed up. If okay, so uh, Crouch Junior was thought to be dead, and Crouch Senior was present with Moody, Moody the night the names came out of the goblet. Uh, and oh wait, you say perhaps Dumbledore suspected Crouch of only impersonating Moody after Halloween, or maybe he was able to figure out that Crouch Junior wasn't really dead between the maze and Moody's office. Maybe, but he tells Harry, "You never knew the real Mad Eye Moody." So any anyway, they they are they put a lot of doubt 
along the fact that Dumbledore was able to figure this out on his own, that he was Barty Crouch Jr. They, they don't believe that Dumbledore is that smart. He must have been there when he was a time traveler. Um, and in Order of the Phoenix, Dum- this is the fifth book, and this is when Dumbledore avoids Harry's eye a lot. And he tells him, uh, quote, I was sure that if he realized that our relationship was, or ever had been, closer than that of headmaster and pupil, he would seize his chance to use you as a means to spy on me, unquote. And so, um, the, the people, the theorists, are wondering how he could know not to meet Harry's eye at the beginning of the year, because he doesn't know that Voldemort's in Harry's mind. How could he possibly know that? Uh, and so, him doing that right off the bat is very suspicious. But also, and they put unusual emphasis on this point, uh, he says, are, he, if he realized that a relationship was, or ever had, or had ever been, and so they put real emphasis on the had ever been, and they're like, this obviously means that in much earlier in Dumbledore's life, uh, Dumbledore and Harry were closer than uh, Harry realizes. Oh, this is this is one of my favorites. In Order of the Phoenix, Ron is nearly strangled by some purple win- wizard robes while cleaning up Grimmauld Place. Dumbledore wears purple wizard robes. <laughs> uh, yeah, love that one. Um, <laughs> Foolproof. Uh, Waterproof. Uh, Ron... Should I even try? No. <laughs> and so, uh, Ron doesn't appreciate the socks that his mother gives him. Alright, like, nah. The sweaters? No, the socks. In Prisoners of Azkaban, he tosses them aside to gush over Harry's firebolt. In Goblet of Fire, he gives his Christmas socks to Dobby. Huh. So- socks are also seen attached to Molly specifically. She's seen fussing over socks, looking over socks, folding socks, packing socks. Well, it's because that's, that's like a big joke amongst them. Yeah, but uh, when, when Dumbledore lies about what he sees in the mirror... He says he sees himself holding a pair, a pair of, of thick uh, woolen socks. I don't think the people realize, making this theory realize that that was a lie. I think they forgot about that part because they're like, and what would Dumbledore ever want more than what he never appreciated when he was a youngster that his mother gave him? I don't think they realized that he was just he wasn't actually telling the truth there. Uh, so, <laughs> so skipping over that. Um, but anyway, they were. And they say Ron's vision in the Mirror of Erised is rather curious. He sees himself as a head boy, Quidditch captain, and holding both the house and Quidditch cups. We know that Ron has this uncanny knack for predicting the future, somehow. Oh, what? no, there's a theory about that that we didn't cover. We'll oh, cover okay. another day. It's very interesting. Um, well, anyway, uh, so they're pretty certain that by the end of the series, remember the whole entire series hadn't come out yet, mm-hmm. that this would have come true, uh, which it didn't. So that that it's just... Um, it's just pretty much their entire theory is, uh, the chess game will be a metaphor for the series, which it wasn't. Uh, Ron predicts the future, which he didn't. Uh, and Dumbledore knows a lot of stuff that he can't possibly be smart enough to figure out. Uh, I don't, they just don't believe Dumbledore could be, I don't know, wise in any respect. Uh, even though he's been living for 150 years and he's the greatest wizard of all time and that sort of stuff, like, he, he just can't have figured out stuff on his own without having been there and had someone tell him beforehand. Also, it looks similar, apparently, because Dumbledore has long fingers and Ron has large hands and feet, and uh, Dumbledore has auburn hair and Ron is a fiery redhead, um, and and they never mention Ron's eye color, and Dumbledore's is blue. So why would they not mention it unless it was the exact same? And that's the theory. Also, Ron... Well, actually, one more thing. Ron has a... Dumbledore mentions that he has a scar on his knee... Uh, that is the perfect map of the London Underground. And in Prisoner of Azkaban, Ron's leg gets broken when he's getting pulled into the Whomping Willow. So those those two incidents, that breaking of the leg, must have made a perfect map of the scar 
of the map of the London Underground. Uh, and that's why, you know, because two people can't have, I don't know, leg things happen to their legs in the same series uh, without there being something suspicious about it. Whew, we're at the 57 minute mark. That right. was how I many? I think we're going to go. I think that, wait, how many? Wait, we need, to, we need to have some sort of outro. All right. <laughs> that was like um, one... Two, two, three, three four, four, five, five theories. six theories. Five theories. We skipped that. We skipped. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah that's so, yeah. five. Then and the last one didn't exactly go as planned. I mean, you're kind of supposed to defend it originally. I was. I was supposed to defend it, and I'm sorry I didn't do good good enough job defending it. Because you spent. I, I didn't even talk but, much. But there, like, but yeah, I, I, and that that is un, that is unfortunate. I I apologize for that. <laughs> but uh, most of what I was. I don't know. I was most of what I was talking about had already been debunked by the fact that this theory was made bef- after the fifth book, uh, and so I, I talked a lot about stuff that was just purely not true. So I couldn't defend it, like the the chess game being a metaphor. Mm-hmm. I I could have not mentioned the chess game at all because it just it's not really a good part of the theory. Um, and <laughs> so I sort of just right. blindsided the uh, the person doing the podcast with me uh, because I couldn't find a good way to defend this theory it's fine it made a fun episode because it has it just has a bunch of things that are plainly why don't we do a closing now because things are just plainly not true how's (laughs) it to defend it okay (laughs) well i guess that works as a closing and that's 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 wait what's your typical outro i don't even know i don't even know we don't even have a typical outro um well that was episode four with harry potter theories yeah this has been cyrus and connie and I hope you enjoyed our ranting. I hope you see this series in the same light because, you know. Well, I mean, I hope the Neville thing helped and the three True. brothers. And the, and the three brothers and the, the 13 people at the table. Like, Th- those are pretty cool. I hope the the, the plausible and stu- stuff. And the valid ones. Hopefully we'll. We hope you, we, we hope you enjoyed that. We, we, we hope that that adds a little something to your Harry Potter reading experience because there's much to un- un- unbox about this theory, uh, about this series. But uh, just just ignore the last few. If uh, well, if, if, they're I mean, fun to chew over. Oh, fun! That's the word I'd use. Um, but if you you can research them, uh, we might put like links in the description if we know sure. how to, if we know how to do that. Yeah, uh, we to, can do that. To, to the theories, uh, so you can if you choose to read them on your own time and see how they tickle your fancy. McGonagall is a Death Eater. Ron likes sweets, and Dumbledore uses sweets as his password to his office. Ron's Dumbledore. Spread the word.